Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. So I was not intending to uh, discuss the Convention of States, the Article 5 Convention issue for the entire program, but we're still taking the call, so that's fine. And, and Chris, I'll get to you in a second. I got an email here as well. Uh, we, we did this in the first hour. There's a rally that's going to occur in Raleigh. It's a Raleigh rally, if you will, uh, for the Convention of States. It's going to be on Wednesday. Go to the website, conventionofstates.org, and you can find all of the details there. Um, the House has approved a resolution for, or two actually, for the... Um, uh, for the Convention of States uh, to be called. And uh, I think that would, uh, now we're just waiting on the state Senate. And if the state Senate does, then we would be like the 21st state, I believe, to sign on to the uh, the call for a for an, uh, an Article 5 Convention of States. All right, so let me get Chris on. He has been waiting patiently. I assume he's been waiting patiently. He's been waiting, I can say that. Hello, Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Pete, how's it going? Hey, all right, man, what's up? Uh, I was just listening earlier, and I, I had to jump off and do some work, but I was I was didn't know if you'd made this point or if anyone else did about the Convention of States and the the last people who tried to succeed from the Union and how it worked out for them. Well, if we actually do the convention and we follow the code and the rule book mm-hmm. and we get these amendments passed and some part of the government refuses to acknowledge that the process has been followed and that we've done things above board, then they are the ones succeeding, not us. They are the rebels. So we would actually have some kind of moral high ground that may make good men decide to join the fight of those who followed the Constitution. You know, because I know if you go back and read any history books about men who had to decide which, you know, fight for the North or fight for the South. You know, they're, they're looking for, for that moral position, you know, like what, what will help them influence who are they going to pick to fight for? Well, if you just go, I'm, I'm against this and you start rebelling, you're not going to pick up the men. You're not going to get the quality of, of companion that you will if we do it by the book. Right. And that would also serve the purpose of appealing to people's sense of fair play where, you know, you say, OK, look, uh, maybe I'm not a fan of term limits, but. You know, they went through the process. It was it took them years to do it. They they did it and they got their uh, they got their convention. And then the convention maybe it fails a couple times. Maybe they succeed the first time. Whatever they they and then they get this uh, this uh, amendment ratified. And then yeah, if it's if, if, if what they refuse, the federal government just refuses to enact it. Then I think that that runs up against people's sense of fair play. Even people who didn't really have a stake in the outcome would recognize it for what it is. Exactly. And it's going to be, uh, you have to have, you know, the winning argument. You got to have that. You, or you're going to lose the, the war before it would even start. I hate to use that word. Right. I hate to think of it. But um, what do you think, last thing, if you wouldn't mind, real quick, Pete? What's the point of me going to Raleigh Wednesday? If we've already done this and it's already passed, it hasn't. I don't want to get myself on a federal list of somebody at a January <laughs> 6th type event. Like, I, I'm scared to go. Now, Chris, all right. So if. If you see any of the Raleigh Capitol Police that start 
uh, uh, just like ushering you into the chamber. Like, don't <laughs> follow. Do not follow. No, um, no. So it's, only the House has approved it. The Senate is still. Um, it's still hung up in the Senate, and ah. and and in years past, we have seen this happen where members of the Senate have killed it, and uh, the House passed it. And sometimes in years past, we've seen the Senate pass it and the House kill it. And so, wow. Can, I almost can you wonder tell me how we, how, what's the control of this. What's the what's the numbers in the Senate? Like how many seats are are red? How many are blue? The the Senate has a super majority of Republicans, so okay. they have enough votes. They need all, the, but they need the Republicans to sign on to it, and and that's so. There's really no excuse at this point. But the last time we came this close, um, I think it was uh, Goolsby. I think was his name, uh, Tom Goolsby. I think uh, he and some of the other uh, conservative uh, uh, Republicans rhinos. from down east. Well, no, they're not rhinos. They were, but they they bought into the. Um, they bought into the John Birch Society argument that uh, that it, you know, that it's going to be a a runaway convention and like the uh, oh then the the lefties are gonna they're gonna change our constitution and all this and that's it's not that is not likely at all. But it is scary though. It's scary to open that Pandora's box because I've I've kind of flip flopped back and forth on this issue true to that same argument. It's like oh god. They're going to just rewrite it. Well, we will be Marxist if we open this convention of states, but we have to just keep falling back on the fact that how many of our states are run are red. Right. They, so the Marxists do not have the numbers, just if you go right. by red and blue. And not to I mention meant. that the, the, the resolutions that call for the convention, um, the resolutions specify what the issues the convention shall address are. And so, Amen. Okay. Okay. right. So, like, it, it is. It, it, it these things were designed to rebut those criticisms, right? And so, it's all right there. You can read all about it at the Convention of States websites, and they they address I'm on it. it. I'm going to go. I appreciate yeah, yeah. your info on this piece. Thanks, yeah, buddy. absolutely, Chris. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend, sir. Thank you. Um, there was one other thing I thought I had on the matter. Was it an email? Yes, I had an email, Tim says uh, I don't think there will be a convention of states because there are two kinds of people. Those who just want to be left alone and those who refuse to leave other people alone. Do-gooders, socialists, Marxists, communists, and all sorts of people on the public payroll. Well, so again, Tim, this goes to what uh, who was it Russ said in the last hour. I think it was an email or a message from Russ. Yeah. Who said that it's disappointing to hear so many ideological allies say that we can't try because the other side might push back. Right. So once again, let me uh, let me do it this way. All right. So I don't know if I've talked about this on the program yet, but um, I have, uh, you know, so I moved into the house in the neighborhood and I have begun to help with the governance via the HOA. I know, I know. I've, but like I just I volunteered to help last year. There was an issue going on, so I volunteered to help kind of get it sorted out. And so we've been working on it, whatever. And I've only been in the neighborhood a year, but the neighborhood's been around for a long time, like fifteen years or something. So what I've noticed is that the people who have been there, and I'm, I'm sort of on my listening tour, you know, just kind of listening to stuff and trying to learn, you know, issues and and that sort of thing. Well. One of the things that I've noticed, and like to the point where I've I've had to say it 
on two different occasions to people, which was, I appreciate learning the background on on the issues and the, and the people and the, the dynamics and the politics and relationships and all of that. But but I'm looking forward, right? I'm looking forward because like I look at it say, here's the problem. Let's fix this problem, right? That's what I'm interested in doing. And if you're interested in getting a pound of flesh for a fight from five years ago, I'm not interested. You could find somebody else to help you fight that. I'm fighting this thing right here. I'm going to try to solve this problem right here. And if you want to help me solve this problem right here, right now, looking forward, I welcome your expertise. I need it. I need your help, right? But if you're not interested in solving the problem right now that we're looking at right now, then I don't have any use for you in this problem-solving excursion, you know? And I kind of see it like that, uh, this convention of states idea. I kind of see it like that in that, if your answer to a potential solution is to say, what's the point? It's hopeless. Then I, I don't have much use for you in the fight because I don't need that. I don't, I don't need the negativity, right? I don't need to be deflated. I don't, I don't need somebody, you know, on my shoulder, uh, planting negative subconscious thoughts. I don't need to be a defeatist. I don't want to be a defeatist, right? So this is what I'm looking forward. And like, this is what we might be able to do. So let's organize and try to get this thing done. Is it going to change the entire nature of the entire federal government? No, of course not. But I made a difference with that one starfish, right? You can do something rather than just, you know, do nothing. Um, And we have a good story to tell. Limited government people have a a good story to tell. I was going over the, um, you know, the tax uh, issues that we're seeing now, right? States are now doing the very thing that we have been clamoring for them to do. North Carolina is sort of a poster child on this front with the reduction in the income taxes. Leftist organizations said in 2010, when the Republicans took over and they're like, we're cutting the income tax rates, we're cutting personal rates, we're cutting corporate rates. And they put out this you know calendar, the schedule, and they're like, every year we're knocking a half a point, a quarter point off of the rate until we get to zero, right? And so they started on this path. 11 to 12 years ago. And the progressives were like, you're going to lead. Uh, this is going to lead to economic ruin of the state. And it hasn't. It's actually done exactly what the Republicans and conservatives and libertarians say would happen has occurred. We have seen an increase in government revenues. More economic activity has occurred. More money. That's the right, that that's the point. We we're proving this and other states are now following suit. So, like, there are positive stories here that we can point to to say this is how we win, right? You show examples of what works, and then other states will emulate them. And the states that choose not to will keep hemorrhaging people, right? They'll keep losing residents, and they will come here, and hopefully they will, you know, keep the policies in place that have been known to work and to succeed. That's what I'm hoping. Oh, the ACLU is suing us again. Oh, jeez Louise. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will 
consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. All right, so the American Civil Liberties Union is going to federal court to try to block North Carolina's new anti-riot law. This is from carolinajournal.com. The measure is scheduled to take effect December 1 after Governor Roy Cooper decided not to use his veto stamp against the law. The suit, filed on Monday, argues that, quote, multiple provisions of the new law are facially unconstitutional. ACLU of North Carolina seeks an injunction blocking challenged portions of the new law. Now, if this, hang on, there's one other, there's one other component here before I do the the spoiler. Uh, The suit, here it is, the lawsuit names as the defendants, North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein, the district attorneys of Durham, Guilford, and Wake Counties. And uh, that's it. That's it. That's who they name as the defendants. Hmm. Something. I think there might be something to this, guys. There may be a reason. (laughs) There may be a reason why the ACLU is only suing the attorney general who do not write the law, does not support the law, right? Nor did the uh, district attorneys in Durham, Guilford, or Wake counties, they didn't write the law. They didn't pass the law. So why are they being named as the defendants? Mm, that's a brain buster. Now, we all know why. This is the, the, the left-wing sue and settle strategy. That's what's going on, just like they did with our voting laws, right? When Republicans overhauled some of the, uh, the voting laws ahead of the 2020 election, and they weren't overhauled quite enough for the, for the Democrats— And so they sued, and then that's when Josh Stein entered into a collusive settlement with the plaintiffs and the State Board of Elections, which, by the way, uh, the executive director of the Board of Elections had been uh, been lobbying for and, and pleading with state lawmakers to change the rules in the exact same way that they ended up settling with the plaintiffs for. The state lawmakers were like, no, we're not going to do all of those things that you want us to do. We'll do we'll do some of these things to adjust for the covid pandemic, but we're not going to do all of those things that you want to see done. So then they get sued, not the lawmakers who wrote the law and passed the law. No, no. The the attorney general and the board of elections. And they are of like mind with the plaintiffs. They didn't like the law. They wanted more. They wanted to, to tear down a lot of the election integrity measures make it way easier to vote for everybody, right? And, um, I mean, even people that wanted to vote multiple times or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, oh, no, no, I know, because there's no such thing as election fraud. It doesn't happen. What with the big announcement, uh, I believe it was like, uh, what, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? I think I was a kid, maybe 40 years ago, and they made the big announcement, like, from now on, this day forward, uh, no more electoral fraud ever. Remember? Because, I mean, America has a history here, and you know, like, elections got rigged and ballots uh, boxes got stuffed, but that all stopped. I think it was when I was a kid. Okay, it may have been before I was born, but I don't, I don't know. 
But something happened where everybody just kind of said, from now on, no more fraud, I, I assume. I mean, right? I assume that happened. Otherwise, why would we assume that fraud doesn't happen? Anyway, so the laws get challenged, but not against the lawmakers that wrote them and passed them. They sue the attorney general and the board of elections who then enter into an agreement with the plaintiffs to do what the plaintiffs wanted. And they're like, gosh, golly gee, we just didn't want to go to court. This trial would have been very difficult, time-consuming, and uh, you know, not, uh, we didn't have a lot of time to get the election going and all of that. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll totally do what you want. So they get what they want. It's a collusion, right? It's a collusive settlement, which the GOP then tried to pass laws preventing that kind of thing from happening again. Here is another example of it. So what's going to happen now, presumably, is that the Republican legislators um, are going to intervene in this case. They're going to have to now hire their attorney again and have their attorney representing them file a motion to intervene in the case, at which point the left-wing lawyers are going to say, no, you can't intervene in this case. And Josh Stein's office will probably be like, we don't care. doesn't matter to us, whatever. And then it'll go to a, um, a courthouse and a judge will hear it. And the judge will have to say, yes, they are allowed to intervene because the state legislators passed a law that said they could do this because Roy Cooper was screwing them over like this. Josh Stein has been screwing them over like this. And so they had to pass a law that says we are allowed to intervene. But I think we all know the real winners here will be the lawyers. They're going to get to bill a lot of hours for this. Yes. So they got that going for them. And if they get the right judge, which I presume is why they've sued these uh, three district attorneys, because they want to get in front of a judge in one of these jurisdictions, probably the one in, um, I'm thinking it's the one in Guilford, uh, the one that did the usurper legislature, the one that did that stupid ruling. So, um, yeah, so the, I think that's where they probably want to go. But that, this is forum shopping. That's, that's what's going on. And all because they don't want people to be charged extra harshly if they're engaged in a riot. <laughs> this is, I'll give you details in a minute. All right, so thank you for the, uh, for the info. Brian Collins is the judge. He's in Wake County, not Guilford. I thought for some reason he was in uh, Greensboro. But um, Brian Collins, Wake County judge, he's the one that issued the usurper decision against the North Carolina legislature, which threw out two um, constitutional amendments that we, the voters, passed, remember? Voter ID and putting the uh, state income tax rate at 7% which is what it originally was, by the way. When it was first put into the Constitution, like 100 years ago, whatever, it was at 7%. And then they get, they raised it to 10. And so then we all voted to lower it back down to 7. And the NAACP, I believe it was them, they sued over the voter ID and uh, and the tax cap. And they sued saying that, the legislature that put those amendments to us to vote on was a gerrymandered, they were elected under gerrymandered maps, and so therefore they were essentially an illegitimate General Assembly. They were a usurper uh, legislative body. And therefore, they did not have the right to pass anything to give to us to vote on. Now, for people who have been here a couple of years and remember voting on those amendments, there were actually four other amendments, two failed, another two passed, a grand total of four passed. But the NAACP didn't sue for the other two. 
was it Marcy's Law was one. It was like, a, I think it was a notification. It had something to do with uh, crime victims. And then there was the constitutional right to hunt and fish. And they did not sue over those. And for some reason, those two laws are still on the books. Those two constitutional amendments are still applicable. Why? Why? You, you, you challenge, I mean, wouldn't every single law, not just the amendments that we voted on. I mean, if the same, if the standard applies, then all of the laws should be thrown out. Every law that got passed in that legislative session should be thrown out. But the judge didn't do that. No, of course not. Because it's Calvin Ball. For people who don't know what that term means, Calvin Ball is from the old comic strip uh, Calvin and Hobbes, which actually is a very deeply philosophical cartoon strip. But it was a you know it was in the funnies. It was okay. So that all right. So for the youngsters who don't even know what that means, back in the day there were these things called newspapers, and they would get delivered to your house, right right to your house. Uh, I mean mostly. Sometimes it'd be like at the neighbor's house if the kid threw it too far, it might be in the bushes. But it, they would throw this big rolled up piece of uh, newspaper, uh, printed stuff right into your uh, right into your door. And sometimes you could get two a day. Different newspapers. Some cities, some towns had two newspapers that would compete. One would come in the morning, one would come in the evening. It was crazy. Anyway, the newspapers would also have things in them besides the news stories. They would do like the sports section, you know, basically like the Charlotte Observer's whole webpage now. The um, uh, what else they would have uh, the obituaries telling you when people died, who died, all that. And uh, and then they would also have classified ads, people selling stuff, yard sales and stuff. And then they would also do cartoons and crossword puzzles. And so the cartoons like growing up, I read Newsday and they had two pages. And then the Sunday edition, you got all of the coupons and advertisements and stuff. But you also got the color versions, they're big comic strips. I grew up reading Bloom County, loved Bloom County, loved uh, The Far Side, loved Calvin and Hobbes. Those were my go-tos, loved them. So uh, Calvin and Hobbes, Calvin's the kid, Hobbes is little stuffed tiger, his little stuffed animal, you know, like a little doll. But to Calvin, Hobbes is real. He's a real tiger. But to everybody else in the world, he's just a stuffed animal. And they and so they and Calvin and Hobbes are actually philosophers, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Point is that they would play this game, Calvin and his stuffed animal, they would play this game called Calvin Ball, where there were no rules. And so they would just make up rules as they're going to advantage themselves at any given second. And they would just create a new rule that would then give them the upper hand. And it was just this constant back and forth. And that's what we are seeing in our judiciary now. Because the progressives keep pushing these types of new interpretations, like we just saw with this Judge Brian Collins, husband of appellate court Judge Allegra Collins. It's hard for me to knock Allegra because otherwise, like, I would be sniffing and sneezing, uh, sneezing all the time. Just Allegra's okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Allegra Collins, that's uh, his husband. But Brian is the go-to guy for the lefties here. All right, and he's in Wake County. So that's why they're suing Josh Stein and the DAs in these three, uh, these three Democrat DAs in these counties. It's not about the DA. It's about the judges. They're shopping for a forum so they can get a, uh, a creative or a novel approach right, to the litigation.
Because the ACLU's complaint here is they say that the Anti-Riot Act rests on an overbroad definition of what constitutes a riot, according to the complaint. Under the act, a riot is defined as an assemblage of three or more persons, which by disorderly or violent conduct or the imminent threat of disorderly and violent conduct results in injury or damage to persons or property or creates a clear and present danger of injury or damage to persons or property. All right, so you got two different things here, right? You got one is there's actually some violence going down. And I think at that point, we can all probably agree, maybe, hopefully, we can all probably agree, like, that's a riot. Bashing someone's head in, or like one of the Tennessee two lawmakers got caught on video during the the Summer of Love protest, like, you know, sticking a, a traffic cone into somebody's face, like jabbing them in the face while they're trying to get through a, a an impromptu uh, a George Floyd barricade, you know? Oh, yeah, you hear about the Tennessee lawmaker, one of the guys that got expelled? The guy who is alleged to have thrown the hot coffee or tea on a Republican lawmaker, the or the the Speaker of the House at some point down in te- in Nashville, one of those guys, Brother Jones, I think is his name. Yeah, they got him on video during the Summer of Love protests, where they're stopping cars and attacking people, and he was one of them. And he picks up a cone that they were using to stop the cars, and the guy starts trying to drive around him. My favorite part of that video, though, is the guy who does the flop. When another car going the opposite direction bumps him, like he jumps, he's standing in front of the car, he like jumps in front of a car and the, this little sedan like bumps him and dude flops like a soccer player. Sorry, like a football player. He like just totally drops, just like splays out on the ground, which you're putting a lot of trust in that driver who obviously has a different risk assessment of the situation than you do because he just bumped you, Right. You just you just flopped on the ground. Are you sure he's not going to run you over? I mean, he like went down and his hands are out of the sides like he's doing snow angels. Like, come on, man. Really? <laughs> and it took him a second, you know? It took him a second before he hit the deck, which is the that's the tell. That's the tell. So, all right. Now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply. 2,000 square feet of supplies. The full line of Augustine Farms and Mountain House Foods. Books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at carolinareadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? So I've got a couple things real quick to get to. There was a, talking about a couple different laws that have been, or bills, I should say, that have been proposed. Uh, I thought this one was of interest. This is, and thank you, Will Doran from the uh, News and Observer uh, for posting this up today. Uh, an amendment for the disposal of animals. No, it's not like that. Disposal of animals surrendered to an animal shelter. So they're going to add in there. And I think it's a good idea. They're adding in that healthy cats impounded at the shelter without discernible in, in indicia, indicia indications, let's say. Yeah. So they don't know who the owners are. They may be sterilized ear tipped which I think that means they cut like the little corner, the little top of the ear. They cut the top of the ear off. Um, so you can tell that they've been picked up by a shelter. That's how you know the top of the ear is, is like chopped off a little bit. And um, so they, they're going to sterilize the cats. They're going to they're ear tip them. And then they're going to vaccinate them for rabies. 
Uh, so then they get the myocarditis. And then I'm kidding. It's I'm just kidding. It's just a joke. Okay. Then uh, administer other vaccinations as recommended by the treating veterinarian and then return the cats to the location where they were trapped with no minimum hold requirements. So downside on this, I could tell like there's going to be like some people who their cat gets out and before you know it, oh my gosh, they spayed Fluffy, you know, and and whatever, let her back out somewhere in the neighborhood. But then maybe Fluffy comes back because she's close enough to your house and she knows how to get home. I don't know. Um, but this is a good idea because this is a great way to get the feral cat colonies down, right, to reduce them rather than have to take them and keep them in a shelter for an extended period of time. So if you just take them in, sterilize them, vaccinate them, and send them back out, then they're not going to reproduce. So I thought that's a pretty good idea. Um, what else here? Oh, there was another one here. Um, I think this came from State Representative John Hardister. Yeah, it did. Um, who I believe is running for Commissioner of Labor. So this way we get to see his name in all of the elevators going forward. Um, if he were to win, of course. I mean, I'm not saying he's a shoe-in. I'm just saying he that's the Labor Commissioner, like Sherry Barry, her name was in all the elevators forever. So, uh, and Josh Dobson is not running for re-election. He wants to put it into the state constitution um, that we are a right-to-work state. It's already a law. He wants it put into the constitution, so that's um, that's a proposal that he is running, and it comes right on the heels of um, this full-page ad that was taken out in the Lansing State Journal which is a, a journal all about the Lansing of boils. No, I'm kidding. It's a, it's actually Lansing, Michigan. Um, and they put out a full page ad recruiting business owners. And it says, attention business owners, North Carolina wants you. North Carolina is a proud right to work state and one of the least unionized states in the nation. By putting partisanship aside, North Carolina ranks number one in America's top states for business with the nation's strongest economy. And that's a quote from CNBC. And then they get like this whole checklist. Lowest corporate tax rate in the country among states that levy one. World-class community college and university systems. Low cost of living. Excellent quality of life. A focused effort on establishing and enhancing talent pipelines. Business facilities 2022 state of the year. Forbes' best state for business, number one for regulatory climate. Site selections, 2021 and 2022, Prosperity Cup winner. You get the idea. It's a whole long list. Like, we are awesome. And they're telling Michigan, because they're, they're about to ban right to work up there. Two six-packs of shiner, 99-cent butane lighter. Lucky strikes and a fifth of Patron.
All right, so I welcome our Michiganders, Michigandiites, whatever. I welcome you. You're going to eliminate right to work up there, North Carolina Chamber, advertising to come here. In a ragtop Mustang, followed us down to the lake and didn't have to think about that too long. Skinny dipping in the bright moonlight, situation couldn't be more right. I can feel a good one coming on. Yeah, we gonna roll all night. We gonna get the feeling right. We gonna keep this party rocking till the break of dawn. Yeah, I can feel a good one. Feel like a good one. I can feel a good one coming on. But I, I would beg you, if you come to North Carolina, please leave your rudeness behind. We are already, Char- Charlotte is ranked 25th rudest city in America by Business Insider. Okay, so we don't need any more of that. Raleigh was 50th. But that's not really fair because Cary doesn't count as Raleigh. And Cary is the containment area for relocated Yankees. That's what it means. See? Juice the stats. All right, I'll see you on Monday. Don't break anything while I'm gone.